Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Baked and Awake podcast. As always, I'm your host, Steve. This is episode 99 of the show. And at the time of recording, we're wrapping up the month of February 27th. And this is the first podcast for the month. So uh, I hope you've all enjoyed your break from me and my uh, publishings, postings, what do we call them? Yeah, whatever. (laughs) Uh, Just been dealing with real life in February and, you know, um, it's a quiet time of year for everybody, right? Uh, We'll get to it towards the end of the episode, but I, I did put greenhouse sort of uh, out of winter mode and start to ramp it up into springtime germination mode so uh, we're you know looking forward looking ahead to the growing season ahead and looking forward to that I had big plans for you today of I, I indicated this in a Instagram post yesterday about this episode that I was getting ready to I, I was trying something new so believe it or not, your your friend Steve here, as as much as I've been smoking cannabis, you know, almost daily for most of my adult life, um, and I've tried it a lot of different ways, and I'm very comfortable with a lot of different methods of partaking, uh, including, you know, things like dabs and vape pens, etc. Um, I've really had extremely limited exposure to high-quality hashish traditional like whether it's that hand rubbed charas style hashish that gets you know um, collected from the harvesters and trimmers uh, hands during the harvesting process and pressed into cakes wafers little bricks and things or what I ended up it was interesting I went to uh, like evergreen market in Renton lovely little shop legal rec chain here in in the region they have four or five shops now but i went to renton and i i believe i asked for the bubble hash from this company seattle bubble works this was in the case right next to um what i ended up getting which was the temple ball uh not a big deal temple ball hashish is beautiful uh you know again like that kind of often is collected in the same way as that charas i just mentioned but is rolled into a little ball the same way, you know, you play with your Play-Doh when you're a kid and roll it up into little balls. Um, the temple ball itself is a very old form of like a final product for small portions of the hashish. What you get with the ball is that smooth, glossy outside skin is like a membrane, is a hard candy shell around the rest of the hashish that's inside the ball that's protected from the outside environment, that's protected from like changing humidity, picking up the the flavors and smells of the outside environment. Once you've sort of at least to my understanding, and I'm not like, again, I'm, this is newer, uh, a newer form of hash for me to consume. And we'll get to that, but I even had trouble smoking it properly. <laughs> uh, you know, it's, uh, it's a cool method that is many, th- you know, many, many thousands of years old. It's one of the oldest methods of preserving your concentrates, your hashish and, and the temple ball you know, form factor is that way for that reason, for that safe, stable, long-term storage of your uh, hashish. This, of course, could be arrived at many different ways, pressed into cakes and just wrapped up in, you know, parchment paper or whatever and stored uh, in some stable and dark place, whatever. Um, But I could certainly imagine something like a temple ball being much easier to wrap up in a piece of cloth or parchment and Shove in your pocket, shove in your pack, you know, set aside off on your uh, shelf in the in the family stash, in the family head stash, and uh, work off of it as you go. So, 
Um, and yeah, you know, I wanted to do a big photogenic like video segment showing me burning the temple ball like incense under a bell jar and taking these cool milky hits of uh, pure hashish. I don't think it's the fault of the Seattle Bubble Works Temple Ball. By the way, it was Grape God strain that I picked, uh, and I and that was what I wanted out of the bubble hash too. I was asking for the Grape God. They obviously these folks made a few different products out of that same strain when they, you know, did this uh, run. And I would have been just as excited to try the bubble hash. Honestly, I would have had just as much challenge smoking that properly as well. Although I think I could smoke the bubble hash out of my concentrates banger okay my normal um dabbing rig my dab rig so you know we'll i i ended up resorting on the temple ball to tearing off another chunk and packing that into a bowl that was already like a bowl that i um was constructing for it that had you know a little bit of my own uh homegrown trim in the bottom and a layer of Keef on top of that, and then a layer of hash on top of that. All of those layers on top of a screen that I had inserted into an older, like Briarwood bowl that I had around here from for like ages. It just felt like the most like appropriate thing to try to turn into a hash pipe for the day. So the bubble hash came with a little screen. So that seemed like a clear indicator to me from Bubbleworks that they expected that you would want a screen a nice clean screen and that you would want to run a screen when you were running it in a hash pipe that was my attempt at like creating a hash pipe bowl scenario uh it was delicious it was super stony it's it's exactly what i remember from the few times in my life i've ever had a little chunk of hash broken off by somebody um you know back in the day before hash was, you know, even hardly a thing, you know, before concentrates were certainly a thing. Hash, although it's as old as cannabis, is just not something that here in North America, in the black market, we got a lot of all year long, right? I think the growers kept that for themselves in a lot of cases for the longest time, right? You got that at the very end of the season during the summertime dry spell, and if you remember the summertime dry spell from like late July till September or probably really October, right, as we know now, Weedman would run out in the summertime sometimes. You couldn't get a bag off of Weedman if you wanted to, if you waited too long past the 4th of July. You might be SOL for a little while. You're buying some swag from somebody weird. But if your Weedman was really good, and they liked you. And their plug liked them in the first place. Sometimes when you hit them up during the dry spell, they'd be like, yep, now I got, I got, I don't even have those little popcorn buds. I don't even have that shake that I had for you last time you came through, bro. But what I do have, if you have 20 extra bucks, you know, over the course of a normal eighth or whatever. You want to spend a couple extra bucks? I got a little bit of hash. Break you off a gram of hash for whatever. And, I mean, I can't even tell you what I would have paid for it back in the day because I, I was able to cop it so few times ever. Probably had to go in on it with somebody at the time because I was like, you know, early 20s subsistence living, right? An extra 20 wasn't in the budget ever, even when I was hard up. You know, we were a lot of times smoking resin back in those days. You kids don't even know what that is like, all right? And thank your lucky stars, okay? That's what I'm saying <laughs> to you there. Um, so, yeah, I haven't, I haven't been super experienced with hash up until this uh, point. I'm still not super experienced with hash. I was, I was excited and inspired to check it out when I saw the bubble hash in the case. And and this stuff has been kicking around the 502 market for a while now from different companies, American hash makers and a few others. And I've bought Keef a number of times. I've bought, I don't think I've really bought much pure, like real legit hashish like this Temple Bowl. And uh, so it was a fun novelty to bring home 
you know, and to have to get excited to crack open. If you're not that familiar with any of what I'm talking about right now, I want you to know that, you know, part of the inspiration for this too was, uh, you know, I don't always see him in my feed. Uh, you know how Instagram is. Sometimes you see people for the longest time and then they like disappear from your feed for no reason, right? But um, very well-known cannabis educator and advocate who's really active on Instagram is this guy. His name is Frenchy Cannoli, right? So he's like half French, half Italian. Great guy. He's got a cool accent. Probably in his 50s. You know, he's, he's, he's an adult. He's a grown man. He's been doing this, um, you know, traveling, uh, uh, you know, pheno hunting, um, learning the art of and preserving the art of hash making. Does it in a really cool way. Follow, look for Frenchy Cannoli on Instagram. I'll leave the links as always in my show notes for the show. I've got a link right here for a three-minute, nicely produced YouTube video of him rolling out um, some hashish with a, with a hot water bottle, with like a, a wine bottle with hot water in it and some, you know, uh, latex gloves and, and some pot holders. He's rolling out this hash in some in some plastic wrap on on a wooden chair in a I don't know if it's a hotel room or an apartment somewhere, but I love it because it just shows, as is so often the case uh, with so many things, uh, you know, here in the 21st century, we're so used to going overboard and making things into more of a production than they need to be in a lot of ways and putting on airs in a lot of ways and. When you look at um, a post like that, like that three-minute video that I was just mentioning, there's like no words. It's just music and him rolling this this hashish out with this hot water and melting the hash and folding it, you know, and then rolling it at the end, rolling it up into a temple ball. Um, it's really fun. It's it's beautiful. It's a it's a interesting and like one of those oddly satisfying processes to watch. If you're familiar with those oddly satisfying videos that are so popular um, on the web these days, this would definitely fall into that category. Watching Frenchie's Instagram is full of oddly satisfying videos of him rolling hash. So uh, check him out. He's really fun and really interesting. Um, I'm I'm still gonna work on learning how to enjoy my hash better. I would like to keep working on my uh, bell jar method so that I can do that cool incense type burn of the hashish and and take a cool looking hit like that and just smoke the hash that way and not even need the pipe because that was like the that was the aesthetic I was aspiring for I got the temple ball by accident cost me 10 extra bucks over the bubble hash I was like ding dizzing y'all you're charging me 10 bucks extra for the temple ball all right whatever let's do it you know um, and these are, you know, these are pretty strong. Like I'm looking at the packaging here, total cannabinoids on this Seattle Bubble Works Temple Ball. Again, Grape God strain. So an indica leaning strain, ostensibly, um, heat pressed and hand rolled right there on there, you know, label description as well. Solventless ice hash extraction. That's what we like about hash. So we like about all of these one-step hashish is, is that, you know, you're not using a solvent, you're not using BHO, you're not using any other solvent besides, in this case, you know, ice, maybe dry ice, maybe regular ice, I'm not sure, um, but to, to uh, shake those crystals and trichomes off the plant. Uh, the total cannabinoids on this thing is 57.42%, so that's verging on dabbing territory by all means, like few were to pack this whole temple ball, a gram, into a bowl or break it up into, you know, a half a dozen little tiny balls and try to smoke those all, you're going to be going to be more than handled. You're going to be disabled by the time you're done with that. One, one, one little bowl of this should be, and indeed was, obviously, as I said, my bowl was sort of tiramisu it was layered i had a little bit of cannabis i had a little bit of keef but that's what that's what we do right with with a bowl like that we make a big old twax bowl right but i mean yeah i was solid now the total cannabinoids is 57.42 percent here's something neat and interesting 
total THC is 49.74%. So they have, you know, eight and a half, you know, eight percent ish of other cannabinoids, not crucially, interestingly, not CBD. Okay, total CBD showed up as 0.0 on this one's testing information. So uh, that would be maybe CBG, CBN, Delta 9 or Delta 8, THC maybe uh, in the mix would have uh, popped, but um, in this bubble hash. Anyway, enough enough talk about that. Um, I'm still learning about it. And I think you, you, you know, if you haven't tried Temple Ball hashish or bubble hash or other like purer forms of solventless hash, like a rosin press uh, hash. These are all forms that are really wonderful and worth checking out. And um, I love that they don't require any heavy processing to exist, right? And to be enjoyable and they're very potent, very clean, very potent. That's sort of the value proposition of something like this Temple Bowl. So uh, I have been enjoying it. I think what we'll do together is uh since it's not very exciting on the mic to smoke a bowl anyway i'll like splice in a little music here for us for the next one to two minutes uh while i heat up my banger and we will do a dab together before i talk to you about something that was just kind of hinted at when we were looking at the label on the seattle bubble works hash just a minute ago when we were talking about like the information that we get you know in our legal cannabis markets these days about the products that we're enjoying excuse me just having a sip here all right so let's let's have a dab get ready to get safe if you haven't figured it out already this is baked in a wake we smoke weed we don't apologize for that to anyone because we stay busy we stay productive we stay getting shit done now don't worry I'll also shorten the heating interval for you guys so you don't have to listen to me sit here and cook this banger the entire time uh for those of you less familiar with your dabs though i i you know i use a quartz banger and the propane torch still uh, i don't have an email it'd be cool to have one i'd love to have an email sometime where you just plug it in and you know set it and forget it give it a few minutes to warm up and then you're ready to dab anytime but um you know i've been on this propane tip for a while now i have like a 60 dollars water pipe from local bodega with a standard angled quartz, like thick walled quartz banger. And this banger is like a year old. It's really, really done me right uh, for a, like a $12 banger. Like I am not into, you know, God bless you, Storm and Norman, all you guys, heady glass boys, like our glass creations and fume sniffer, all my friends. I love you guys. I love heady glass, but I just don't have that. I'm not on heady glass budget, right? Certainly not on heady banger budget and anybody who shopped bangers ever oh my god you guys know what i'm talking about all right well shit maybe you did have to listen to the whole heating heating process there and me shouting over a torch um because it's already it's hot so so you heat her up until she glows even really hardly have to clean this banger out i'll show you guys i'll send i'll I'll, I'll post a picture of the banger what a year old banger that hasn't seen a q-tip in six months looks like um then you guys tell me if i'm nasty or not because i think my i mean this banger still looks great to me and it's hitting let's dab
Whew. <coughs> okay. That worked. And in true stoner fashion, I also managed to have a minor panic attack because I thought I stopped recording for a second there. Whew. Almost seeing stars, not from the dab, but from the sneeze I just held <laughs> Held in. I'm the worst. I hold in sneezes. Don't hold in your sneezes, you guys. I almost blew my eardrum out one time. Um, and I think I've talked about that before on this podcast. Don't hold in your sneezes. I almost blew out my own eardrum, just like you've been warned by your mom and dad. Like, you'll blow out your eardrum if you hold them. It, it, it hurt to sneeze, to, like, try to blow in my ears, to clear them, like, when your ears are popped. All sorts of stuff for like a year afterwards, you guys. This happened in my adulthood. I finally had, you know, had this occur after holding in sneezes, literally pinching my nose like a freak <laughs> for my entire life. Um, so I have learned to start to sneeze now. I probably held that sneeze in out of instinct because I was sitting here recording, right? And, and didn't quite want to like do the whole thing and like slam the pause button. <laughs> Don't hold in sneezes. Okay, don't do it. Okay, so I hope you enjoyed your dabs, your puffs. If you're just puffing, hope you got a nice fatty rolled. Uh, I want to talk a little bit longer about cannabis here with you for a minute, so I hope I got a lot of my stoners with me today. Uh, a few days ago, I saw a post by another accomplished uh, sort of cannabis advocate uh, who I follow on Instagram. So, you know, just like Frenchie Cannoli there, uh, this gentleman, Todd P. McCormick, is somebody who I want to say I've seen this guy like on Hash Church with that cool Canadian dude back in the day um, more than once chatting about um, bubble hash and chatting about, you know, cannabis all over the world. Um, I'm following him now on Twitter as well, but I, I follow this guy, Todd P. McCormick, on Instagram. And he did a post just the other day that I'm not going to like repeat verbatim for you. I, I'm i going to point you at his Instagram profile so that you can watch this. It's a short video. It's like five or six, maybe seven minutes total um, yourselves on this. But we've talked about this subject that he uh, chose as the topic of his vlog that day in like general terms in the past here on the show. And I just want to, for a moment, uh, again, reiterate some points that uh, Todd was making. Okay. And that is this. Um, anybody who's been listening to the show, excuse me for a while, knows that I like to sign off with, you know, my favorite little tagline. All right. And that is, of course, smoke indica do shit anyway the smokers among us will know that indica aka indica couch is by reputation strains of cannabis that are known to have this like tranquilizing effect on a person right um there are also a number of physical characteristics that are ascribed ordinarily to indica plants, and a uh, that being a shorter, broader leaf structure, a squattier overall plant height with shorter internodal spacing in most instances, uh, than the formerly original. Uh, well, let me let me finish. Uh, shorter shorter plant, more compact uh, body. Uh, that also flowers and matures in a slightly shorter period of time than the first cannabis that most folks in North America became familiar with and came to know and love, which are the whole wave of like tropicals that came before the Indicas. Indica, as the name sort of hints at for the savvy among us, you know, is that it, it indicates it's from India of India, India, Afghanistan, the Hindu Kush region is where I believe American veterans, right, in foreign uh, forums were 
encountering this at, at, at a certain point in history and began to bring it back. Um, brought it back to, to crossbreed with the cannabis that other American veterans from wars prior, <laughs> uh, I want to say like after World War II and uh, before Korea and stuff, uh, we were in like the Pacific theater and came back with like these Jamaican strains. Well, that's the Atlantic, right? <laughs> but we came back with Jamaican strains. We came back with, um, strains from Mexico and other equatorial regions. We had, um, we had sativas first. Now, what was a sativa? Well, without like bogging everybody down in a big story about this, if you go way back in our archives when we were talking about the hemp history timeline here on the podcast, which, by the way, those are great early deep dives into cannabis history on the podcast here. Um, we read about how cannabis came to, you know, become identified and named and brought into uh, the known world by one Carl Linnaeus, who was very, very famous for naming many species of plants and animals over his lifetime in a system that we still use today. And uh, Todd's point in his blog was a couple of clear, simple things. Sativa doesn't mean head high, uh, feeling nervous out of your chair and da-da-da-da-da. This is, you know, you're going to heart pounding out of your chest and this is what your sativa um, physical effect is going to be. And I'm naming all these plants uh, cannabis sativa for that reason. That wasn't what Linnaeus was doing at that time, nor was uh, cannabis indica as it was when it was later identified and brought back, was not named such for the for the purposes of identifying an expected high much more had to do with in the case of let's take it back to Linnaeus here and sativa sativa meant to sow so that was an interesting point that Todd made that I don't know that I recall hearing or understanding before about why Linnaeus chose that naming convention for cannabis sativa, but to sow. So there are lettuces named sativa and other types of uh, common garden vegetables that will have sativa somewhere in their uh, you know, naming convention to indicate this is a seed that you should you know, plant in your garden year in and year out. Maybe that it's a uh, annual, not a perennial, you know, that kind of thing. Um, Indica, as I just mentioned, derives its name from the region that the plant comes from and from some physical outward characteristics, none of which are determinant of what you finally smoke and how it affects you or me or anybody else. We always, we always discuss and understand that your cannabis experience is pretty subjective. The time of day, how tired you are, Full stomach, empty stomach. All those things can affect how the same bowl that you smoked this morning affects you this afternoon. We also know that land race strains that are really pure are a very rare thing. And most of us are smoking today very modern, very derivative strains of highly crossbred cannabis that is in no way accurately mapped back to any little label on anybody's packaging, whether it's got some, you know, fancy code from um, Leafly or Cannabinder or anybody. Although, you know, some of these, some of these Methods that are more nuanced, like Cannabinder, uh, where they really give you a full terpene profile of what's in the in the strain that's tested, um, start to give more insight. When we go into a legal market as a consumer, 
especially as a newer smoker, and you want to know what to shop for so that you can have a good experience for your desires, if you're having a recreational experience or for your medical needs, your indicated needs, if you're trying to treat any kind of ailment in a medical cannabis sort of approach. Indica and sativa are very deceptive when relied upon too heavily as identifying terms. Something that I have mentioned in the past that I'll, you know, always bring up to friends, and this does come up because people do, for whatever reason, literally text me or ping me on the phone, especially my adult older friends who are more conservative, more reserved, who haven't messed with this that much up to this point in time when they want to try edibles, when they want to try or help a friend or family member who does have a more serious need, I end up getting these questions. You know, what should we get? What should we do? What, you know, I don't want to get freaked out. So should I smoke indica, blah, blah, blah. I think a bigger uh, impact on whether you get like stony couch lock weed or whether you get um, heart rate racing, nervous, uh, head rush weed is the time in the flower cycle at which the plant was harvested. And again, we won't get bogged down with what color the trichomes should have been and whether the hairs were dried out and all the way red or not when you harvested. And then how you did or didn't cure the cannabis, dry it and cure it in like a stable and slow fashion. So you bring it down slowly off of a comparatively wet live plant which again affecting your final product is also did you flush your plant for a week or, or more beforehand with just pure water did you also taper your plant down on water so that you harvested a drier plant than you might have if you harvested a day and a half after you did a full watering and soaked the leaves and soaked the whole plant structure. That matters more than whether or not you're smoking Acapulco Gold, Blue Dreams, um, or, or an Afghan of some kind. Um, of this great god of some granddaddy purple. So that's it. That's the rant. It would be that, you know, in summary, <laughs> your weed isn't really what you think it is. It's not really anybody's fault. We could play that game. We could sit here and point fingers at growers and we could sit here and point fingers at marketers and we could sit here and point fingers at, you know, the entire community for supporting, you know, tacky names for strains for all these years. Everybody wants to differentiate themselves. Everybody's trying to grow a good product, I hope, for the most part. Like I always take everybody on that footing from the start. Um, and I'm usually not too disappointed and we're fortunate here in the Pacific Northwest. We have some pretty skilled, even, you know, commercial growers here. The product everybody buys today in, in shops, even average stuff is, is pretty top tier compared to a lot of the world. I'm sure of that. So, um, but yeah, Indica and Sativa can't be relied upon. And when somebody tells you, oh, this is a hybrid hybrid 75 25 it's gonna do it's gonna hit you high and then it's gonna stick to your ribs and hit you low and stick with you for the whole day it's like yeah okay whatever i guess i'll try it and i'll see how it affects me <laughs> uh, i i urge you to do the same and to take everything with that awareness that it is subjective you're part of the equation of how stoned that weed gets you. You're one of the variables, too. You know, there's so much more to that conversation. You could talk about, again, the cure for days in terms of how, how that affects the high. 
in a legal market like ours, you could talk about the, and I'm nodding my head here into the microphone as I say this, you know, whether or not it was stored properly in the shops and is still fresh and potent when you buy it. What can you do? Educate yourself. Visit sites like Leafly that have detailed and informative articles about terpenes and the entourage effect that is so crucial to understanding the interplay of cannabinoids and terpenes in your endocannabinoid system, the human body, and how those all dance together, really. It's a different dance every time. And it's a beautiful one. It's a it's a wonderful dance. It's a dance that never leaves us with hangovers. It's a dance that doesn't leave us deformed or demoralized. It's a dance that always has a wonderful conclusion and outcome. But it's one that's very difficult even now to oversimplify to rely on basic labels that don't even map to the things we think they map to, as I was trying to indicate and as Mr. McCormick was trying to indicate with his piece on this, in his blog, in his vlog piece, excuse me, on this. So um, check out Todd McCormick's Instagram account. It's Todd P. McCormick. M-C-O-R-M-I-C-K. Uh, seems like a super cool dude. And uh, let me know what you think. You can find that vlog like about nine or ten posts back in his feed. And it's just a little, you know, face-on shot of him um, talking to the camera. I'm sure you can find it. It's not that far back in, in his feed. So I hope he doesn't even mind that I took this opportunity to, to talk about that topic again because I think it's an important one and it's important for us uh, as cannabis mentors to our friends and family who don't know as much about it to help them get to a place of understanding this so that they're not, you know, led down a, a path of thinking that, well, I smoke da-da-da and that's what works for me and so that, you know, if you don't have um, Gorilla Glue number four, that's, you know, nothing else will take care of my pain or nothing else gets me stoned. I'm making a face right now. Can you see it? It's a skeptical face because it's like, well, that's, you know, probably not accurate. And if you enjoy cannabis and want to have a good time with it in your life. Um, if you know a little bit more, you can do a little bit more with it confidently. And, you know, what it mostly comes down to is like starting out with small doses of stuff. And if you find out you've got some, you know, heart pounding, head high, want to go paint the house weed, and maybe put a little smiley face sticker on that or something and set that aside if that's not what you were trying to smoke right before bedtime. And reach for something else out of your stash that you know is a little bit more mellow. Rant over. Ta-da! <laughs> um... I was going to give you guys a Dabpocalypse update on uh, House Bill, excuse me, House Bill 2546 on the potency of cannabis concentrates in Washington State. Speaking of which, because so, you know, that Temple Ball hashish that I just enjoyed, uh, tried to enjoy, am trying to enjoy still <laughs> to learn how to enjoy, uh, would become illegal under 2546. If you don't know what I'm talking about, and especially if you live in the Pacific Northwest and you don't know what I'm talking about, go back one episode and listen to that one. It was at the end of January called Dabpocalypse 2020, a.k.a. House Bill 2546. That bill's still in committee. No advancement on that since the last time we talked. But it's on the floor in Washington State right now. And in my opinion, it's effed 
in the extreme. So go back and listen to that episode to understand some action steps you can take. There is a huge petition going around about it with a lot of signatures on it. It needs more. And uh, I gave you the names and email addresses of every single legislator who is signed on as a sponsor of that bill so that you can also send an email to them, which I also wrote an example email, blank email for you, or not blank, but template email for you, all in the show notes of the last episode of the show. So we'll keep watching that story closely, and I will let you know as soon as I can what's up with that, because that would be set to do a lot to our concentrates, our uh, vape cartridges, our edibles, all of them in the Washington market. Yeah. And yeah, the the garden update is so simple and so short. Uh, Follow me on Instagram. You can see a couple of posts about the microgreens we got started in the uh, greenhouse. I've got some veggie starts going in the greenhouse now as well. Nicole pretty much took care of those. Um, You know, I prepped her trays for that, and she did sort of the seed map and plan based on our uh, planting uh, sort of journal from last year. You know, we don't have like a big elaborate journal, but we have a little basic journal that we've been keeping some of our information about what we've been growing for the last couple, three years or so. We've been growing here a good 10 years, but haven't always been trying to keep any kind of anything in terms of what we did or didn't uh, season to season, but we started trying to bring that into the game right recently so nicole worked off of that map off of that record i should say so we've got like three trays of veggie starts going in the harbor freight greenhouse right now Uh, that has continued to be one of the greatest investments in our garden that we've ever made if anybody has questions about the harbor freight greenhouses if you know what harbor freight is um, that's a local uh tool company tool tool store chain like uh you know, super cheap discount, China Tools uh, outlet uh, here in the Northwest. In the rest of the country, these greenhouses, I believe, are very frequently sold under the parent company's regular brand name, which is like Palram. Okay, so these Harbor Freight greenhouses are all like compatible with Palram accessories and parts. They're really low cost aluminum and plastic greenhouses so uh, by the way warning not not a paid advertisement for harbor freight (laughs) but uh follow me on instagram to see occasional pictures of the greenhouse it's going into it's like second full growing season now we've had it like two and a half years or so i got it like late summer two years ago so it's been through two winters already made it amazing through the uh washington uh winters with a fair bit of wind uh, we built it on a footer, on a wooden footer of our own, and uh, just love it to pieces. Love it to pieces. It's it's just my favorite place in the garden. <laughs> this is the garden nursery, is the greenhouse. So um, in addition to the veggie starts, we have started for the first time some microgreens. So super excited about that. And I just finished, before I started recording today, my first taste uh, my first like bagel and cream cheese with my sprouts mix sprinkled all over the top um, of our microgreens. And I can't wait to serve them to Nicole like in the next day or so for breakfast as well. Uh, you know, we have two full trays of uh, salad mix microgreens and I'm battling some mold on the nasturtium uh, seeds that I was hoping to microgreen air quotes here uh, with the nasturtium seeds. I, we didn't have enough that I wanted to use like our whole supply on a microgreens experiment, so I didn't have that heavy of coverage anyway. But on top of it, those are a little bit wetter, and um, so I'm like misting them continuously with a hydrogen peroxide mix because they've got a little mold on some of the seed pods, and uh, I've already yanked an entire mat of, you know, a little hemp mat square of of them that were more moldy. Um, so I may end up just pulling those nasturtiums and putting them into soil, you know, the better ones that are already sprouted. They're a little slower moving than like stuff like the salad mix anyway. The salad mix, we just planted back on like the 17th of February. And today, as I said earlier, is the 27th. Um, 
so about 10 days from literally from germination to sprouts on my bagel. And that's in a too cold greenhouse with some random lights that just happen to be in there too. In what's still the middle of winter, really, in Seattle, right? Um, started them inside, moved them outside, moved them outside to the greenhouse because I have a little bit more room there. But um, I actually do have a shelf set up inside to try to do a little bit more uh, potentially indoor microgreens. But I need to do some more shelf shuffling of other plants that are that have been overwintering on on that lit shelf anyway. But um, if you're a gardener like us. And you like this kind of stuff. Uh, I'm always advocating for growing and gardening and urban farming. And you, you may know if you're paying attention that we have laying hens here. We have uh, quail and, uh, you know, little small baby micro chickens <laughs> and uh, get uh, eggs from both the chicken and the quail and love those. Uh, the quail are also occasionally harvested for their meat. So that's pretty awesome too. Um, you know, we're in suburban Seattle zone here and uh, you know, and this is all on the up and up, right? We we're not a big old farm um, hiding in the suburbs or anything else like that. This is straight backyard garden status, but um, we're doing as much as we can. We're putting as much in the ground as we can every year. We're adding plants that we hope uh, will turn into perennials that will give us berries and other fruits year in and year out. My wife is a beekeeper. We're, we're beekeepers. You know, my wife kind of takes point on the bees. Um, but we have two honey beehives. We're loving it. Um, if you have questions about any of that kind of stuff, feel free to reach out to me directly anytime. We'd love to and always do try to be as helpful as we can for folks who are trying to, you know, explore any of those different things, especially the gardening stuff. I'm, I'm all about the garden. Nicole's all about the animals and the bees. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm game to talk about it all with you. So you can get at me by DM on Instagram. You can always email me at Talk to us at bakedandawake.com. You can visit the website bakedandawake.com and like drop by the Smokers Lounge tab and leave me a message there if you want to or use the contact form that's on the website to, to message me. There were 50 stories that I could have talked about this week that didn't make the cut. Um, there were 50 stories I could have talked about all month long while I didn't make you guys a podcast. <laughs> Uh, the next one's going to be the big 100, so uh, I'm still not 100% positive what the agenda will be for that episode. So for that matter, you still have time to email me at talktousatbakedandawake.com. Give me any of your suggestions. I think uh, roll back in some music again and roll out together with one more puff. Uh, I think I need... One more dab here. I bet you do too. And then we'll sign it off. Until next time. But uh, I hope you all think a little bit more about indica versus sativa. And how to evolve past those labels. Here in the 21st century. Let's do it together. You know I'm not going to stop saying it though, right? Smoke some indica. And do shit anyway.
here. I said we were dabbing. Tell me a story. I'm always telling you guys stories. Send me an email and tell me a story. Visit the Discord and tell me a story. It's a beautiful day wherever you are. We'll talk again soon.